Steve, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're out here stacking bags. We're stacking them deep, selling them cheap, and launching them to oblivion this week on Stacking Pennies. I'm here with my good friend Ryan Flores, Pit Rub Boats and Woes Analyst. Howdy. And Crash Pair uh, Repairist as well. Penske Team Fabricator. Uh, during pit stops, yes. And we have Ice Cold Blue Mountain Takes wearing... Something, does something smell a little bit? I got the poo on me. <laughs> Just don't get it on the carpet, okay? Are those shit kickers you're wearing? They are. But do they work? Clear. Yeah, no, they do. Also, the grass works. First off, somebody didn't pick up after their dog on the on my way back from Whole Foods. Just right there on the sidewalk, wasn't paying attention, stepped in it. Not great. That's good luck, man. Is it? Yeah. I thought it was if they get, get shit on by a bird. That's good luck. Uh, no, I mean, I think you classified stepping in dog shit as good luck as well. <laughs> That's what we tell ourselves. Well, when you step in dog shit and get electrocuted because lightning <laughs> hit your house like Merriman yeah. did. It was a hell of a 24 hours. You need to play the Powerball. I did. Were you on in the shower or on the toilet during the thunderstorm last night? No, okay. I was on my computer finishing up the race. Well, there lightning, you go. Lightning hit, ran through the power cord. My hand was on the power cord. So I think it bypassed the computer. It just went straight to me. Wait, did you just hold the power cord like to keep it in the computer? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Living on the edge, man. Yep. So <laughs> and talking about living on the edge. The edge of your seats was what those fans got the last five laps of Indy. I'm not even gonna talk about mine yet. What did you guys, as viewers and employees of NASCAR, mind you, think about the first cup race at the road course? You take you take all the controversy out of it. And the wrecks, the finish, everything, you still had good on-track action. That race was entertaining from the drop of the green flag to the checkered flag. Take the red flag out of it. I feel like there's almost two separate races in one. There are, but, I mean, you literally had something for everybody. The people that like the big wrecks, the dust-ups, the drama of somebody punting each other, they got what they wanted at the back. The people who like the true racing – they got what they liked at the front end. I thought it was great. I love that track. Do you have to pile up 15 cars to appeal to well, you first, know look, 40% of the fan base? Okay, this is all I'm going to say. Y'all are holding the steering wheel. I'll get to that point in a second. <laughs> so if you want to talk about this, that, and the other, at, at the end of the day, where your car goes, unless you're Denny Hamlin on the second to last lap, it's up to you. Yeah, and as drivers, and I will say this: watch it. Like the thing that I looked at when the wrecks happened, right? Were the fans in that section of the? And I guarantee, you, if you went and pulled all of those fans that were sitting over there, there were kids jumping up and down cheering. Like everyone was like, "Oh man, that was badass!" Because right, wrong, or indifferent, when there's a wreck and you're in front of it, people love carnage. They do. Like and. You hate to see, for the guys that are working on the cars, a torn-up car. You hate to see that for anybody. Job security. Yeah. Think of it like But that. at the same time, as a fan, you don't hate seeing that. You hate for it that the people are working on it. They put in the hard hours, the long hours, that you know they're away from their families, they're working on these cars to try and get them to be the best thing that can win the race. That's somebody's job. That's somebody's life. Like That's their day-to-day. I get that. But at the same time, the fan that spent their money to get there, like they're entertained by these cars wrecking. And like I said, right, wrong, or indifferent, that's just sort of the reality of you. It, it is a yes and. Like It can be both. Like 
you can hate to see cars get torn up, but you can also enjoy to see them get torn up at the same time. Look, it's a it's a entertainment business, right? The fans are happy that you know we're we're getting paid to work on these cars and build them, and the circumstances of the race is just what happens, right? You know, you you, you just adapt to it and fix the car. Like, you know, we crashed a couple of times this weekend, but where did we y'all were, finish? We were gonna finish about top ten, then we got um got turned around there coming to the checkered, um, got some more damage, so. I think we finished 24th, um, but hell, we were racing with Corey for a top 10 there, Yeah, uh, there at the end. So at the end of the day, we're all paid to be there. So it's not about the comfort of us. It's about the fans and, and getting, um, getting their money's worth. So I, uh, do I, do I think that, um, wrecking race cars every week? Let me ask you this. The fans happy. I hope not. Does the goal line or the field goal post keep moving to what is considered a good race, right? Because, like, when in the 80s, considered the quote-unquote good old days, we'd have somebody win by 13 laps, and people would show up in droves, camp out for days, and that would use, that would constitute a good race. Now, if we have 26, 7 cars on the lead lap, but if there's not a side-by-side photo finish, then, you know, people are up in arms that it wasn't exciting enough. But, you, I mean, I think, I think the goal is to have people, obviously, the reason that NASCARs move packages around is to make the, the packs tighter and the racing closer together. But any even with Indy, I mean, the, the road course doesn't necessarily have to be side by side, but it was like people couldn't get away from each other. Now, Larson was running away, but you had racing that they focused on further back in the field that was great. You had strategy come into play with Reddick staying out and getting stage points. Yeah. We all know the situation he is in on the cut line, racing Austin Dillon. They really couldn't separate. So to me, a good race is it's a little bit of everything. And I'll take I'll take a couple sprinkles of drama at the end of that race to as a cherry on top. Well, there's a couple different scenarios involved. And I'll just go ahead and start. Let me just give you the recap of my day. I had a nice little video on my uh Instagram, if you wanted to go look at it, it was, it started in qualifying. We had a decent lap. I think we were 25th or something, 26. And I thought it left a little bit out there. So I was literally out of the car watching it on like SMT and we're watching, there's like four and a half minutes left to go. I'm like, let me get another lap in there. I think I'll get a little more. Right. So I get in real quick. I'm bulk buckled up and we had to make it back around to the start finish line or the, the temporary start finish line before the clock went down so i'm hauling the mail and everybody else is pretty much cooling their stuff down because everybody's runs are over i make it like eight or ten seconds or however many to spare team says all right we're good we're live i'm going hardy 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 next thing i know turn i turn into uh whatever that corner that was where the uh you know where chase ship the 11 car i think it's 10 and I come off, and I'm in the gas grabbing gears. Next thing I know, there's this guy driving a safety truck right in the middle of, right in the, middle of the track. I thought that he was going to look in the mirror and, like, get out of the way. But my first instinct was, honestly, like, to check my earplugs and make sure I wasn't that guy that, like, was driving around on a cold racetrack like I'm trying to lay a heater down. And when I realized my earplugs were plugged in, I'm like, okay, I'm still alive here. So let me try to, like, get around this thing. Um it cost a little bit of time. I had to lift, and I didn't want to hit the guy. Obviously, and tear a car up. So, um, you know, NASCAR was apologetic. You know, it was miscommunication. It happens sometimes. So that was definitely wild. I can't say I've ever had a safety truck right in the smack in the middle of the road. 
during a flying lap, but you know, I guess I assumed that the track was cold and there was a car out there. So move on to the race. I will say that, let me say, let me tell you this. I was a really pendulum swung hard that Indy was taken off of a crown jewel prior to the race. But when we're all standing there, I think anticipation and excitement constitute a crown jewel. And once we saw it, I mean, there's still a decent amount of fans at the racetrack for what it was. It looked empty because the place holds like 300,000 people, but there was a decent amount of people at the racetrack. And when you see the flyover, when you see the national anthem, like I was like, ooh, like this is still indie at the end of the day. Um, and we fired off, and to your point, uh, the, the race was good. It had strategy. You had some guys going long, getting stage points, some guys shortening it so they could cycle around. And then you get a red flag with five to go because of something NASCAR has no control of, of a curb just ripping up and, and, um, you know, just from the weekend of punishment from Xfinity cars to the Indy cars to the cup cars, uh, it started peeling up. And when you get 35 guys, you get those guys a chance to get their heart rates down and just look at the scoreboard with five laps to go and say, okay, I'm going to go get 10 spots here. People lose their damn minds and respect goes out the window we saw a tweet from Daniel Suarez talking about how there wasn't any respect. He's right. You know, people just don't have any sort of give and take. Now it's your job to get your car in the best finish position possible. Finish position possible. But man, you just it's 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 bad. People just run all over each other. And we saw it from the from the first row with the 14 getting run off into the grass to, you know, 15th in line guys jumping over that sausage curb and you have no, you have no escape route. I hit the damn thing and launched into oblivion. Um, cause there was really no, you saw Bubba go around it, but when you get shucked out of the corner late going into whatever that was five, six kink, you have no chance to avoid it. Did um, you get a penalty when you hit it? Cause he, when he avoided it, he, he got sent to the back. Right. So they didn't send me to the back. I guess they figured that my day was done because I launched a 3,600-pound cup car three feet in the air. How did it drive after that? I felt like I was driving Tomator around. <laughs> like, it, was like, it was just like, eh, 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 eh. Yeah. I feel like the air was falling out of it. If with, you get airborne, you're, I mean, you're good, You're going to end up with a lot of damage on your car. Yeah, so. they're probably like, yeah, let's yeah, just about blow to the done. shock seals out and everything. Like. Uh, dude, the track bar mount was about ripped off of it. I put a picture on my Instagram. Go see it. Um yeah, I mean, our stuff was killed. Our nose is probably six inches off the ground. It looked like the front of your car looked like the front end of like a boat. Yeah. Like it was pitched up. So I hit it. Caution comes out for something else. I re-rack it. That's when the 34 hits it, gets all crazy. And the thir- I kind of split the smoke like cold trickle. The three, I about melee him. He hit me in the door. It was just wild at the end, man. It was wild. And – I don't think that you judge the race off the last five laps of drivers losing their mind. I think, I think the Cup cars belong at the road course. I think it was. I think it was a good show. Well, you had Almirola. I don't know if you hit him or he hit you. Oh, okay, I, I, I called him on the way to the airport yesterday because from when I'm driving, like you know, I, I knew he was on my left for a quarter, and we were kind of going through the S's there, uh, and I was giving him some space towards the inside, and I expect, I expected us both to swing to the left to get set up for that right. And I didn't realize at the time that he had somebody on his left for a quarter, so he wasn't able to get out there and kind of follow the same tri- the same path. So it ruined his day, which I felt bad about. And it, it knocked some speed out of our, our race car, too, so that sucked. But I, I called Eric and, you know, told him that was my bad to uh, to rip his fender off. But, you know, such is life. And I'll say this about, about the race. Race fan, 
Clint Boyer was on Twitter mm. as it was going on. And you can hear the excitement in his tweets. He's, you know, one of them was like, Curbside, this has been a really eventful race to watch. And I'm glued here to the end, just like you guys are. Get it, boys. So, like, you have Boyer, who is, I don't know if people will say that he has drunken the Kool Aid of the broadcast booth. Is Curbside what you spray on them to get rid of the curbs? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But his one after the race was, damn, that was fun. Truth is, this race today was exactly what we needed. Some hated it, some loved it. Key is, we're all talking about it. Be a fun week of debate coming. So now if we have a race that doesn't have a com- like a complete carnage or a demolition derby, does it constitute not as a good race anymore? But, I th- but what he said, that first one was curb aside, the race has been eventful. Like, like And again, yeah. what Merriman is saying, take that out of it. Like Take the last... Yeah. Like the however long the red flag was, take that out of it. The on track action that happened was eventful leading up to that. And that's part of, you know, I mean, that's it was fun to watch. The first five laps, I was was, taking my money. I'm all for it. Yeah. Now, is it is it a crown jewel? I don't know. But you saw the excitement when AJ Allmendinger won. You saw like Matt Colleg, like almost in tears, could have been in tears. Chris Rice going around kissing everybody. These guys won at Indianapolis. And, uh, you know, Mr. Flores, I, I believe uh, Cendric said earlier that he was, did he say he wouldn't kiss the bricks or that? Uh, the quote, I think he said that, you, you, you know, if you went on the, for a Grand Prix win, you normally don't kiss the bricks. That went out the window very quick. But I'm, but that's what that's we what I'm saying. Kidding. Like you were, win did you there. Pit that car? Yeah. That's and did for, you did you kiss the bricks on Saturday? Yeah. Okay. That's and, well. What what you need to know? We went to victory lane, but they do most of the victory. Like they do the hat dance at the bricks. Yeah. So you don't really have like a choice. Yeah. Right. Not that he wouldn't. Right. It's tough talk before Just a, you go. Listen, but, yeah. kiss? But, but finish your. <laughs> but finish your point. that's that's my point. Is that like once you get that win there. I think you take out what the what the course was that you ran. It's still Indianapolis Motor Correct. Speedway. Nobody climbed the fence. Correct. I we, was bothered by that. I mean, there's certain traditions for certain races. There's the climbing. There's the milk. There's the like. Yeah. There's stuff that you do for certain races, but you cr- the start finish line is that yard of well, bricks. Well, look, kissing you the bricks, crossed it first. Kissing the bricks is a NASCAR started. <clears throat> yeah. Tradition. Dale Jarrett. Yeah. yeah. Dale Jarrett. yeah. So, so I, I mean, think that's fine. I think cool. I think to my point, that excitement that you see after winning that race on on that track, on that course, given how difficult it looks, I think that excitement warrants it. For sure. Is it a crown jewel? I don't know. Not yet. Maybe not. Could be. We'll see. I think that it had the anticipation and the energy, you know get a little bit further removed from COVID and you can have a little more people at the racetrack and you can really, now you understand what it is. Like I, you can make a case that it could be built into a crown jewel. But, I mean, if we had what a, is, what is the significance of it other than it being Indianapolis to NASCAR? Yeah. What is the significance of it? That's what I go back to. Daytona made us Darlington is like a founding father of a racetrack to me. Martinsville's that way. Bristol's that way from a competition side. Like, Indianapolis for the first 10 years of my career, right? It was like a really cool place. Like if you were, you could only go there if you were a cup guy, right? It was a four Xfinity went there. It was just one of those places that you really anticipated going to. 
you brought your best stuff there. You waited. You held on the secrets that you had. You brought your best car in the tunnel there. You did stuff different for Indy. You had to be on your game on pit road because you can't lose track position. Your driver had to be on the game. Uh, your car had to be great. It was one of the races that you don't look into, right? That's like, it's, it's one. It's really, truly, that that's what made it a crown jewel from uh, you the know, competition, a, a competition side. side of it, and where it where it went um, astray with people not coming or you know not as many fans. You're never going to be the Indy 500, right? If they brought Indy cars to Daytona, they wouldn't get the numbers that we get. Which it would be really scary if they brought Indy cars. They might Daytona. bring you might but, bring the numbers because Indy cars go yeah, like two hundred thousand miles. Yeah, but an it's hour. not the Daytona five hundred. But but yeah, like that that was always the the big part to me. But yesterday being at Indy and then winning the Xfinity race at, on the road course, it it felt it didn't feel like it because you won fe- the you've won the breakyard with Ryan Newman. I got put on the car the week after. So, so you did not win the break. Not, yeah, did I got a win. ring for building it, but I was not pitting that car at the time. But like, it, it's not any less of a win. Like you still won at Indy. Like I felt, I, I I didn't know if I'd feel conflicted about it. But when I like when we won the Xfinity race, it was a big deal. That's one that you're gonna remember forever. You're gonna get a ring for it. You know, we've won. I've won thirty Xfinity races, and that one's at the top. So, I. Yeah, that that place is my favorite place to go no matter how, you know, no matter how or whatever configuration we're racing it. And that's, I think, what I was saying last week is, like, going into it, I don't want to say it's a crown jewel yet, but coming out of it, there's potential. Yeah, there's definitely potential that for if, sure. Because you, you can build the tradition. You can build all of that. Because that, to me, is what... But think but think about that from a historical... And I'm not, I'm not discrediting your point. I'm saying, like, think about five, six years ago, Nobody would have said, "Oh yeah, road course crown jewel." Yeah, people would have told you you were crazy. But you have but, an argument. Now. But that's that's my point is that yes, people badmouth road courses, but at the same time, like that's part of what made the sport. And to have like if you're going to talk about crown jewels, like I feel like one of those, as we have all the things, instead of having two super speedways as your crown jewels in Daytona and Talladega, you throw a road course in there. Is Indy the one? Maybe because of its historical significance. Is Watkins Glen the one because of its historical significance? Maybe. There's arguments there to be made. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's pump the brakes. Okay. <laughs> now, the the table is set to where if, if teams and the sport and the broadcast partners really put some attention and marketing and, and you know, I guess just time into marketing indie as – like. You can make it a crown jewel. The only thing I think you have to tweak with the track is just take that five six kink out and just go from four all the way down to seven. I think you can make a like I think just make a long straightaway and you don't have any of the curb issues we saw. You gotta have you you have to have something there. You don't, dude. You don't you don't slow you don't slow down for that thing. I mean, it might knock fifteen miles an hour off on the back end, but all it's just gonna do is make brakes down a little longer. And this, I mean, this is not anywhere relatable, but like. I've driven a go-kart at GoPro and there's that where you can go flat out. That's what it looked like to me is like that type of, if you hit it the right way, you can almost stay at speed Mm -hmm. and keep going and hammer down until you get to the, uh, are you saying that you guys didn't slow down for that kink? No, you should have. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody should have because it's just on the verge of being wide open because you can kind of get back to the right and straight shoot it. And it was better 
obviously with the curbs because people were using them. That's ultimately why they started peeling up or delaminating, whatever you want to call it. Were because, they made out of steel? They're, oh, yeah. Like real life they're, metal. They're steel? Yeah. Really. Real life metal. So you could hit the curb in the in the right way where it would – so the that sausage curb, whatever you want to call it, was up against the ramp curb, if we'll call it that. You could hit that the ramp curb and go – you know, you could almost cut off three foot of that sausage curb because it would push your car over it. Once it took the ramp curb off, it essentially made that corner tighter, right? Because, you know, you, you don't realize how much you were cutting off. You were cutting off at least two foot of that every time you ramped over it. And then I think the also the difference was Xfinity cars have a minimum height rule. So those splitters are off the ground. Yes. Cup cars are on the dirt, dude. So after 40 cars, every lap punishing those things, it's inevitable. We saw a whole, who's who's splitter and, and pan was that stuck underneath there. Uh, there I think was it was like a five ten or six guys that were losing them. I think it was a ten. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, uh, once it gets you know, if you, if it gets a three quarter inch gap, that's a perfect gap for a splitter to get sheared right off, and that's what we saw on Sunday. Something else people don't, you know, everybody watches it from their perspective, right? But there's only forty guys that are doing it. You saw it in the Xfinity race. You can't see much in front of you when you're funneling through there, no. especially when you're 15th, 20th. So you saw those guys in the Xfinity race. The first guy hit it, and the three behind him had nowhere to go. They couldn't even bail because you're so committed. By the time you figure out what's going on, you're already over it. Bro, I'll be honest. I had no clue that orange one was even out there. They like, took it They took it away for the Indy IndyCar cars. race, right? Was it there for your practice? They said it was, but I didn't see it. it but if was. you're not, But if you're not too wide, you're not going to notice because it's not anywhere that you're going to run until right. you're put in that position. Yeah. So in practice, you're never going to get there. Yeah. But yeah, you watch like, and you watch it in slow motion. You're like, why are all these guys hitting him, hitting that thing behind them? But like, you can't, and I, you can't stop. You don't, you really can't see anything. Can't see anything until the first guy launches in front of you. And next thing you know, you're airborne as well. But you know, I think that a focus group, whatever you wanted to call it, of a couple of guys could have been like, hey, let's put this curb here or there. It's really, I feel like, on the track more so than it is on NASCAR on where they put curbs. And I don't, I don't know how that process works, but. All they would have had to done is it, or do is just ask two or three guys like, "Hey, what do you think about this here, this here?" Because we didn't have a whole. Lot, that was the only. That was the only area that was in question. Everywhere else was fine. And if you don't give any escape routes, that's when stuff gets a little bit tricky. Yeah, it's tough. Um, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But it was, you know, it's better than what they had in Canada a couple of years ago, where people were when it was raining and people were sliding through the grass back into the field. You know, so you don't. You also don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure that it'll be addressed and fixed for next year. Overall, I think it was a good weekend for Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, I watched all of the racing that was there, like the IndyCar guys. And to see them Sunday morning still there in the pits hanging out, like that to me showed that it had some – like that they wanted to see it. Yeah, and you hold, you heard Colton Hurd talk about it. He said he's never seen a cup car in person before. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I don't know if I've ever seen an IndyCar up close and personal before. Uh, I, and I went over to Connor Daly's pit, pit and was hanging out with him. And I'm just looking at those things and like Indy cars are sweet, dude. Yeah. Those yeah. things. I mean, you've seen them over at Penske, but like, I was like, damn, these things are race cars, dude. I mean, just, you know, now that, you know, Roger Penske's kind of in charge of all that Indy car thing, you know, maybe you know, we, we get a little bit more, uh, this cohesion, story, cohesion together. Well, Phelps talked about that a couple of years ago, integration of, of multiple American motorsport like, disciplines. I think he might've been talking more about like, Sprint car stuff and, and figuring out how to, to do but crossover weekends and stuff like that. But it's gearheads love cars that go fast, regardless of what they look like. It doesn't matter. No. You've got a motor to wheels. Yeah. If you could bring the motor. Indy cars anywhere with you, where'd you bring them? 
Like where would be the best show? Like I'd I'd say like Richmond, Bristol, Bristol. <laughs> you know, that, that, no bad idea. That's not what do happening. you think a lap time of an Indy car at Bristol would be? Twelve oh, seconds. Oh my God, faster than that. I think an Indy car on dirt at Bristol. No, no. I'm kidding. I, I'm kidding. Corey, you shut Corey your mouth. hit the fence so hard there in a modified. Dude, augered like, it in. Center line, the fence just got like got over on the left rear. Something broke. Yeah, he got, he got he got <laughs> he got back to the. Tr- I mean, he wrecked this modified. He gets back to the truck. I was behind Mike. I'll, I'll give the, I'll give the context of the story. So I was behind Stefanik. We were around, I don't know seventh or eighth maybe, and you don't get arrow tight in a modified. You get arrow loose because you lose all the air on your deck and and your blade because there's no nose because there's no nose right. So you're all rear downforce heavy. So when you're really tight behind some cars, you'll lose all the rear downforce. Well, you get when you add that plus the transition of the banking from the straightaway to the corner, it gets really light. And I was behind, like I said, Mike Stefanik, and that thing got light. And I just those things have super quick steering racks. And I started counter steering before I caught the banking. And when it caught the bacon, that thing bit on the left rear. And I'm telling you, like, not even like a right front angle, dead straight. It was bad. Boom. How wide are the. Right sides on the modified. About as wide as the new cup inches. tires are going to be, yeah. Yeah, they're 15, 15 inches. inches. But the funny part of that story is he got back to the trailer. Because it felt like. Visibly bell rung. <laughs> Everybody's like, just like, oh my God, Corey's hurt. <laughs> and he walks back and Randy goes, what happened? And Corey goes, something broke. And he goes, yeah, fraction. <laughs> and he walked away. <laughs> I took my bag and left. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, that was a good one. That one hurt still. So did we determine what the good combo track would be? Would I I think Richmond or the Roval. Richmond would be sweet. Did they race at Phoenix? Phoenix uh, final race of the year for both would be really yeah, they, cool. Ooh, they race they race at Phoenix. Uh, well, they have. I don't know if they have. I don't know if they've the done Copper since, Classic. Yeah, the new dude. That'd be sick to do a fi- finale weekend for IndyCar at the at Phoenix as for well. both. Yeah, that'd be awesome. The American Motorsports Championship Week. Could you take yes. Could you take them to Martinsville? I mean, no, you have to be nah. super no, careful. No, the problem is, is when you start ramping right yeah. rears over left fronts is when it gets real bad. I remember IndyCar at Richmond was always really good. Yeah, dude. Um, well, would ovals be the option there, or would, would you whatever stick you to, want. to like the GP type stuff? I mean, they race. No, a, we got enough road courses. I always thought the IndyCar races at Texas were always super good, yeah. super fast, also very they still, Yeah, they still do that. To that right. point, Jimmy Johnson sprinkled a little, uh, maybe a little teaser with us this past week. Said that since IndyCar went to windscreens, he might be looking to do the Indy 500 next year. Oh, yeah. that'd be pretty cool. That would be cool. It was cool to see old Jimmy this weekend. I ain't seen him all year. Um, yeah, it was cool to see all them guys. Just, I mean, it, it's a cool to respect the other discipline, you know. And, and and they're also there's no fat IndyCar drivers. I don't know if you've noticed <laughs> that or not. You know. You can tell the Indy cars are a little bit more uh, more strain on the body because there's nobody carrying an extra 10 pounds. They're all pretty well in shape. Why are you looking at me when you say that? <laughs> you know exactly <laughs> what I'm looking at. <laughs> I went down there and watched those guys, what they do with their lug nuts, since you know that's going to be what we do next year, where their guns are, where they keep their lug nuts, kind of their maintenance in between. So you guys using was, the same guns? Oh, it's different, but it's the same, um, you know, the, the same, basically, basically the same thing, but different, like a different motor inside the gun or whatever but it'd be a paoli the same type of lug nut that stays in the gun so starting to get on the front side of that to pay attention and to actually watch in competition you know especially what our teams are doing and try to learn from it uh i think everybody had a little bit more vested interest or they should have well that leads us into pit road boats and woes so let's uh let's take a break come back talk about some indie gp pit road boats and woes 
There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. And we're back. My good friend Ryan Flores, front changer for Brad Kozlowski for Pit Road Boats and Woes, which who brought something up under the break. This is the last right-handed stop for in the five lug nut era. Yeah, last well, backwards stop for five lug nuts ever. I don't know why, but that makes me kind of sad. It makes me happy. Does it? See ya. See you later, See five ya nuts. Backward. Well, it was just like backwards stops, man. Like. I like them. I don't dislike them, but um, I like what we do. There's backwards. They like what we do the regular way, way more. And, uh, you, you know, forever was just something we worked on one week out of the year. Yeah. And now, you know, with three three races, it's something that we've that we've all worked on pretty hard. Well, now road courses are a lot of track position too. I mean, oh, yeah. your your track position of road course is arguably as valuable as it is at an oval anymore. Just because it's so hard to pass, and there's so many good guys, but unfortunately for you again, you were on crash repair, damage control. Did the four back you guys in the fence? Is that what happened? Uh, no, I. So you can't you don't really see it from pit road, you know, because like right when it happens, you don't have time to go watch it. You're getting ready, uh, getting everything out to fix it. So from what Brad said, he just he just um, you were so loose lost in it. that corner. It, yeah, that corner is super sketchy. And I think that's where he. I think that's where he kind of said that he was um, having a you know the hardest time all weekend was through there, and you know we stayed on old tires. We didn't have really really great speed, so we were trying to make something happen. And, and hell, he hung on the lead for a lap, and, and wasn't you know it was going to work out in our favor because um, we were going to just two stop it. But uh, but yeah, got some damage, and we we're still going to end up. You know, in the top fifteen, and uh, and got a you know into a scrum there at the end again. But now, what is what are something like when your stuff backs in the fence? What are some things that you try to make sure that you know tire rubs or loose sheet metal? Well, you want to get you your spoiler back up, right? You want to have something there. Um, but but the tough part is that it bends the rear clip down and almost over into the tire. Uh, but we were able to to get that fixed and get that back, and then just try to get you know, salvage any bit of spoiler that we can. Uh, and, and it was really driving a lot, you know, a lot better than what I thought it was going to. Yeah. And, and, and then a, a big thing too is you want to make sure you can get fuel in it, right? Because mm-hmm. especially with the fuel being on the other side, um, it's a little bit of a weirder angle for the gas man too. And we saw, uh, we saw 
you know, last week when we got some damage, we couldn't get fuel in it. And we had to stop again and put us another lap down. Mm. At, at, at least you didn't have Glen. that problem. No, it was good. I'm sure Bradley's as excited as I am to not go back to the road course for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I think he's over it. Yeah. <laughs> but we are going – well, let's not – Let's. there was a pit road. We're going to start doing a woe of the week. And the woe of the week was Chase Elliott's drop jack. I'm assuming this is the money stop. Yeah, well, it's it's the – you know, definitely their last stop. Yeah, their last – yeah, it is a money stop. Caution went five to go. What, what struck my eye on this is if you watch their jackman – He's one of the only ones that runs around the back of the car, right? So most of the most of the jackmen were running around the front of the car. Yeah. Like, but if you run around the back, it's like a normal pit stop would be. That's how you. That's the way you normally run. What that does is when he gets the the right side up, his jack handle um, is angled slightly towards the back of the car instead of it being angled slightly towards the front of the car. And when Chad pulls that left rear out, the tire hits the jack handle, even if it just skims it going by. Mm-hmm. It's going to, because it, the, it just, tell, dude, explain it how a jack handle, just explain how a jack handle. So you, you, you tighten the jack handle, you spin it to, yeah. you know, to, to, to the, the right. Yeah. Right. You tighten it and then you spin it to the left to drop it. And it's just a quick movement because they're doing, you know, Jackman are doing that on, on the fly. So it's not something that you can make like a D10 button out of, or something that you can make really hard. It, it has to be able to be, locked and unlocked very quickly i have hit the tire with the jack i have hit the jack handle with the tire before as hard as you can hit it and it doesn't go down and i've hit it where it it barely looks like it hits it and it drops so it's a very it's it's like a it's like a very like a it's like a hair trigger Mm -hmm. right and um obviously they're untimely you talk about maybe the best pit crew of the year Right, a guy, a crew that that within a, a fiscal year won a championship at Phoenix, won a hundred grand this year at Texas. Just great guys. Um, but any, you know, any day's your day where you get on the not top ten, and, and that you know that happened to them. Um, the other thing is they're they're running up front every week right now, so every pit stop they do is going to be magnified. If they're running fifteenth and that happened, it's not on TV. Right, right. You only see the guys that are in the top five that have a bad stop. Uh, th- that it gets magnified, so no, no doubt that they'll rebound from it. But they're lucky. Wh- what they're lucky on is that the tires were halfway in there, didn't come down and kill the side skirts. Um, you know, they 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 fixed it pretty quickly, and they probably lost you know eight spots because of it. Put them a couple rows back, took them out of contention for the win. But uh, but yeah, a, a thing that happens um, quite a bit, especially so, the other thing that puts in there, dude. Those pit boxes are tight. They're narrow. So when you pull that left rear, you're really close to the wall. Mm-hmm. And it, and when you get to the money stop all day, you're kind of babying that tire. You get to the money stop, you let that thing fly. It gets three inches off of where it's been and it hits the jack handle, and that's what you see happen. Three inches and a jack handle twist away puts the nine team out of contention for Indy and into the pit road woe of the week. So we go from the most narrow pit boxes that we go to on the schedule to probably one of the more larger ones here at Michigan this weekend. Not a whole lot to probably look for in terms of Michigan boxes. But what do you think? Hey, dude, there's so like you go from a place like India where not only are the pit boxes narrow, but like behind the pit box, your 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 ladders almost hitting the fence. You know, there's nowhere to run tires to maybe one of the widest that we go to. Um, really, really friendly pit road for equipment and just just a, a big box, not not like obnoxious, but a, a big pit box, decent grip in the boxes there. Um, a place where you're gonna see a lot of strategy. You know, with this 550 package, 
tire fall off, you know, track position is going to be way more important than fire. It's an entire fall off. But if you lose track position, then you'll rifle tires on it and you might be in better shape if you get a couple runs and you, you know, you, you, you jump a couple, um, jump a couple rows on a restart and you end up in the top five with new tires. You're definitely going to be an advantage. So we'll see who does that, who takes advantage of it. I know it's somewhere that, you know, as you know, on the two teams, somewhere that I've had circled, I've never won there in any series. Um, and I know Brad's got it circled. Um, our, our whole team does it somewhere that's important to him. It's something that somewhere that's important to our company, uh, being Ford's home and being Rogers home. So, uh, we're going for the we're going for the W. Going for the W. Now you, you can push s- us push us to the win. Maybe if I can use you to progress myself, <laughs> I'll use you. We all were day. we were pitted next to you guys this weekend. There at the end of the race, we were like, but right before you launched your car, we were like fifteenth and sixteenth. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Sparks, link up. Yeah, we'll tandem to the front. Yeah. A little bit of shake <laughs> and bake. Couldn't shake and bake. Was, oh, both of our cars were wrecked by, by the end of that thing. Yeah, we'll see a lot of strategy this weekend. Some no tire stops, some right tire stop, right sides, maybe even left sides, and then four tire stops. But uh, there's no doubt it's going to be wild here going to Michigan this weekend. So hopefully the old two crew has a little better week than they had the last couple. Oh, yeah. And it's, hey, it's one of the coolest uh, victory lanes we go to being down there in the infield, like in the grass. Like, I did that. And a cool trophy. Yep. They give out a super cool trophy there in Michigan that anybody would love to have. Hell, I'd love to have any of them, really. But Michigan's one of the cooler ones. So there you have it. Pit Road Boats and Woes. Ryan Flores. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. All right, guys, very special guest joining us here on Stacking Pennies. He was also, by the way, the first guest we ever had here on Stacking Pennies. Welcome back to the show, the man of the hour, Mr. Chase Briscoe. What's happening, buddy? How are you? We are good. We are in the basement of NASCAR here in Charlotte, North Carolina, but you, sir, are still in the infield of Indy with the Pagoda in the background. What are you doing there still in Indianapolis? Yeah, I'm uh, hanging out up here. Obviously, I'm from up here, so... Uh, just spending some time with some family. I went to breakfast with my grandparents and, and stuff today. And I uh, got a major race Wednesday and Thursday. So 
just a lot easier to stay up here than, than go back and forth and, and get to spend time with them. So I'm going to kind of enjoy the week and just hang out with them and, and then go, like I said, race Wednesday, Thursday and see how we can do over there. Nice. Nice. We were talking about it uh, before on Sunday before qualifying and we both were bending Kyle Larson's ear off and him a congratulations for the Knoxville nationals. But you and I were talking about kind of off to the side <clears throat> and you had an interesting take that I was thinking it, but you straight out said it. How good is Kyle, is Kyle Larson? Well, a lot of people keep saying he's the best right now, but I don't know. I think he's the best of all time. I don't think we'll ever see anybody else even close to capable of what he's been able to do. I mean, in the past, you had guys like Foyt and Andretti and stuff that would go and, you know, run up front, win sprint car races and stuff like that. But, I mean, he's just – he's unbelievable. He, he wins crown jewel late model races, third late model races. He wins crown jewel sprint car midget races. You know, to win the Knoxville Nationals, the Kings Royal, the Chili Bowl, the NASCAR All-Star race, you know, you just – that doesn't happen. You know, and I think he could get in anything, anywhere, you know, whether it's an F1 car, you know, uh, car, whatever it is, and I think he would run up front. So to me, he's the best of all time. You know, who knows what's going to, what kind of talent we're going to see in the next 100, 200 years. But, you know, out of the guys that have ran right now, I think he's the best of all time. That is high regard, sir. And I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with you. It's, uh, it's pretty incredible the run he's been on since, you know, April, May of last year to what we got now. And obviously, we're really showing what talent he's capable of behind the wheel is Hendrick cars. But now let's cut the crap. Let's talk about yesterday. You were in the mix for your first career Cup Series win, needing a somewhat of a Hail Mary to, to punch your team's ticket into the playoffs because you don't have a chance to point your way in. What kind of – I mean, I guess we can start from the beginning where you run second, you get to the inside uh, of the 11, getting to turn one, you guys race, and he kind of shoves you off out of two there, and then a caution re-racks it, and then all hell breaks loose. So from your point of view – and out of the windshield of that 14 car, what the the last couple laps look like? Yeah, well, first off, it was just a, a crazy day for us. You know, we qualified second, have a lot of good speed, you know, lead the first 15 laps, and, and then kind of got shuffled back on a restart. Well, I was in the lead. We were going to cycle back to the lead, and uh, my car shut off under yellow and wouldn't refire. And so then I went from what well, was, was going to restart first to restart fifth, and I kind of got swallowed up on the restart, got some damage, and then kind of just got – behind after that and then uh started having major brake issues locked up two right fronts had to do two kind of pit stops that we, we weren't wanting to make and i was running 30th with 15th to go i think 20 car lengths ahead of kyle about to go a lap down and the caution comes out and you know i think we restart fourth or fifth with six lap old tires and had a really good restart and was able to to well i guess the one i started third and was able to dive it three wide into one and, uh, you know, run behind Denny for that lap and then set him up off the final corner. Like you said, drag race down the front straightaway. You know, we both were trying to outbreak each other into one. And, you know, out of two, he kind of r- tried to run me off the racetrack, I felt like. And, you know, I, I was hoping that the race went green that whole way because I felt like for sure I was better at Denny than that point. But we had, you know, five to seven carlings on the rest of the field. We kind of broke away. And I felt like if I could get clear of Denny, you know, I was going to be in, in good shape if we went green to the end just because by the time, you know, Kyle or William got done with Denny, you know, I was going to be far enough ahead. I felt like I could at least hold it for a couple laps. And then we obviously had the, the three red flag or two red flags and, and all the chaos and a lot of restarts in between. Um, but, yeah, there at the end, you know, I felt like I was going to be in really good position that to have a chance to win for sure. And then obviously it all kind of fell apart. 
What is it about long red flags at the end of NASCAR races that make the drivers lose their damn minds? <laughs> like, what are, what are you thinking about? Well, I think just, just red flag. Well, not just red flags, but just road course racing. I feel like at the end of every road course, it's like just everybody kind of loses their mind. You know, on the ovals, I don't feel like we have that as much. I don't know why that is, but... Uh, the road forces it's like there's there's zero give and take by anybody you know I, that was the one worry for me is the one restart you know i was actually ahead of kyle um running second whenever the caution came out and right behind denny and they put kyle ahead of me and it let me start third instead of second and it was kind of a blessing in disguise at, at the time i didn't realize it because that restart you know kyle got ran off and went from running second to i think eighth and then when i was restarting second um you know on that last restart i knew going into one i was probably going to get ran off the racetrack you know just everybody dives in there you know i knew aj was probably going to try to stuff it in on denny and i just knew that it probably wasn't going to be the best position to be in and you know i didn't get a, a good start you know i felt like i timed it right our ratios were just really really bad for the restarts and denny was about a car length a car length and a half ahead of me you know down the straightaway and i was able to outbreak him and get a little bit farther up beside him. And then I obviously got to the exit of one and realized I was going through the grass. You know, there's no room for me to even get back on the track. So I just pretty much gassed it and tried to make up as much time as I could. And, you know, I realized that I came out, I looked in the mirror, I was about three to four car lengths ahead of him. So I knew that that wasn't going to fly. So I, I backpedaled and let him get beside me. And then we got to turn three and I was like, well, I'm going to let him go. So then I tucked in behind him because there was a gap. And then obviously we get down to five, or I guess we go through five and six, got to seven and eight and eight and nine and, and even 10 to the most part, I was just really good compared to all day where guys were around me in the Xfinity race. I felt like that was probably my strongest corner. And I remember last year, Cindric got almost got me towards the end of the race because, um, you know, everybody would swing back out left for that turn 10. And you could shoot in there underneath them and, and kind of pin them, and then you'd have them for the 11, 12 corner. So I rolled up to Denny, you know, through 9, 10, or whatever the 8, 9, 10 little switchbacks are, and I was going to gas it, and I gassed it and tried to turn, and I just misjudged it, and I clipped him probably three-quarters of the way to the right rear. And when I did, you know, I think he was trying to swing it back to the left at the same time. So then, you know, his car's already going that way. I'm trying to go to the right of him, and then just turn him around. And then, obviously, then I was – I was told I had a penalty pretty much right at the time I got into contact with him. And then, so I just drove it down into 12 or yeah, 12, I guess, and try to serve my stop and go there. And you can't do it there, I guess. So it obviously kind of ended our day. So it's, it's easy to sit back and Monday morning quarterback, what should have, could have, would have happened from turn one to turn 10, right? Because it's easy to say, well, why didn't he just pull over and let them guys race knowing that he had to do a stop and go? You were still racing as you were going for the win as you should have, right? I mean, we've seen a couple different instances like at Sonoma with the 42 car when he drives through 11 and more or less cuts, yeah. caution comes out, right? There's been like two or yeah, three instances, right? And it's like a little bit of inconsistency in that matter. So you have to still continue to race. And, you know, if that was the move that you were trying to pull, like, it just, you know, it's, it's easy to mistime that sort of stuff and it, it didn't work out. But I guess for, for you, and I don't want, I wanted to, I wanted, I'm glad you came on here because I wanted to kind of like stick up for you. You know, you're not a malicious guy and you're one of the, the you know, the, the better drivers coming up in the, in the series. You've never wrecked anybody for the win to your point. 
uh, in your entire life. So this wasn't anything new just because he might have ran you a little bit tight, ran you off the racetrack yeah. prior. It wasn't malicious. No, not at all. You know, like I haven't told Denny after and even in my interview, I had no reason to be mad at Denny because I knew going into it, you know, he was going to try to outbreak me. I was trying to outbreak him. You know, that's racing. You know, I would have done the same thing if I was in a situation. I, if, if I was on the inside into one, he's on the outside. I would have tried to outbreak him and carry as much speed. I mean, that was the advantage. You know, if you go back and watch the race last year when I won here, that's what I did to Almondinger to take the lead. I outbroke him into one, and he was on my right rear uh, in two. And, and obviously, I kind of ran him, you know, to the exit just because that's that's what you're supposed to do if you're trying to win the race. So I wasn't mad at Denny. I mean, if I'm going to win the race, I don't I don't want to win a wreck at somebody. You know, if I, if I win a cup race, I want to do it legitimately and actually win because I was the best car, the best guy that day. I don't I don't want to win because I wrecked somebody. You know, I, I respect Denny. He's one of the greatest of, in our sport right now. You know, he has tons of wins. I don't want to win because I wrecked a guy like that. I want to win because I beat him straight up. So, for me, there's no point in trying to wreck him. You know, I didn't know I even had a penalty. If I knew I had a penalty at that point, why would I try to wreck him? You know, like I said, I wasn't mad at him. He was doing what he had to do to win the race. I was trying to do what I had to do to win the race. And You know, I, I know that he said he was mad at me for trying to make the move instead of racing for that whole lap. But I was going for my first win. A.J. Allmendinger was behind me. If I didn't get it done then – Almondinger was going to be pressuring me on new tires. So I had to try to make it as soon as I could. And as soon as I got to him, that's when I tried to make my move. And obviously I misjudged it. And, you know, it's unfortunate that it, that it ruined his day as well, but I had no reason to be mad. You know, he's going to do what he has to do for the win. I'm trying to do what I'm trying to do for the win. That's what he's paid to do. That's what I'm paid to do. So at the end of the day, that's, that's racing in my opinion. I didn't feel like he did anything dirty to me by any means. All right. One more question on this past Sunday's race. Um, you know, there was a lot of debate whether taking it from the oval to the road course makes it takes it away from being a crown jewel or it doesn't make it a crown jewel anymore. What was your take for the cup series going to the road course for the first time? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, just like everybody, you know, there's definitely, there's more history on the oval. I mean, there's, there's no secret to that. I mean, everybody, I think would agree that, you know, with the Indy 500 and just, you know, everything else, the, the, the oval definitely has more history than the road course does. But, you know, to me, Growing up in Indiana, you know, for every every race car driver and even people just in motorsports, you know, Indianapolis Motor Speedway is is just so special. And to me, I, if I'm getting to race here in anything on any configuration, whether it's the oval or the road course, the dirt track there in turn three, the quarter midget kids in the parking lot, like it's special because you're at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And whenever you win here, it's it's even more special, no matter what the configuration is. So for me. I just am appreciative to get the opportunity to race here, you know, and, and to me, you drive through the same tunnel, you're still the same facility. You just are running on a different racetrack in the end that facility. So it's still special. You know, I can still say I wanted to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway just because I won on the road course and not the oval. So to me, it's, uh, you know, mixed feelings. You know, I, I would agree that, you know, the prestige of it is definitely on the oval, but at the same time, this place is prestigious in itself. So you know, I, I don't know if it, if it matters one way or the other, but, you know, for me, I felt like it gives me a better opportunity to win the race being on the road course. So, you know, I probably wasn't complaining as much as some of the other guys. Well, you definitely showed that because you were content to win your first series cup race, which is, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And I want, I'm glad you jumped back on because you were, like I mentioned earlier, the first guest here on Stacking Pennies. And we asked what some, uh, you know, what some things were going to be on the, the to-do checklist. Um, and a couple of those were make the playoffs, possibly win a race, now we're 23 weeks into the series, and 
obviously Stuart Haas haven't had the speed overall as what they're generally used to having. But how has your rookie season in the Cup Series been so far? It's uh, been very eye-opening, very humbling. You know, just, uh, you know, obviously, like you said, we're not where we were last year. And obviously, I didn't get to drive them last year, but just watching and talking to, to my teammates, just kind of hearing the differences of how our cars were then and how they are now is definitely different. But, you know, I think I've, I've, I feel like I belong. Like, you know, I feel like when our car's right and we have speed, you know, we've been able to run up front and, you know, it's still very surreal for me to, to be running around some of the guys I, I've, I've been running around, you know, last week at Watkins Glen and there was probably 12 to 15 laps that I was running, I think fifth and Kyle Bush was running sixth, And it was just kind of crazy to think about how I was out there and, and holding my own. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't feel real almost. So, you know, same thing this past weekend at Indy, you know, taking the lead and, and leading those first, you know, 15 laps was, was so cool. And, you know, I just felt like I, I felt like hopefully I've, proven that I deserve to be here. You know, I think for me and you both, you know, we both don't come from money, so we have to prove our worth, you know, week in and week out. And, you know, whenever you can have those good runs, it proves that you're, you are capable of the job that, you know, you're hired to do. And, you know, so for me, you know, my goals have changed a little bit. You know, obviously the playoffs are going to be hard to make. You know, we can still do it in these next two weeks. But, you know, I still want to try to win a race this year. And, you know, I think outside of that, just trying to get the top 20 in points is something that, I've really tried to put focus on and, you know, about a month and a half ago, we were 27th, I think in points now we're 22nd. So, you know, we've been making ground up on that and with some of the, the surprise winners, you know, we've had these last couple of weeks kind of hurt us and, and trying to get to the top 20, but you know, I still think it's capable if we can keep putting these good runs together and that's what we're trying to do. Never heard it from the man himself. I don't even know. I guess I probably should know this. What is the rookie of the year battle? Do you know? I'm sure you know because uh, you're me doing. And, it's me and Alfredo. I don't know what the points is. Uh, I'd say you're. I'd say you're in pretty good shape. Who finishes better in the points? I'd say you're in pretty good shape for the old rookie of the year. Now, I don't know if yeah, we did as long as he doesn't win one of the next two. I uh, get it. I think. I got gotcha. you. I don't even know if we were doing would you rather questions when you first came on the show, but we have asked every guest would you rather's, and here are you ready for a couple. Yeah, I think we did this last time. Okay, good. Because uh, I'm sure you answered about something because you only eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or something, some weird stuff. The guy with the weirdest diet I've ever heard of in my life. <laughs> Question number one. <laughs> Would you rather have your first career win be on the Indy Road Course or the Daytona 500? Oh, man, that's tough there. Man, I know that there should be one obvious answer, like the 500, but – you know, from like a sentimental standpoint, like for me, winning at Indianapolis would have been like the coolest thing ever. You know, just because I would have been able to just experience it with with all my family. Where the Daytona 500, you know, that that's easily number two. It's it's honestly probably tied for number one. But you know, like my whole family wouldn't have been wouldn't have been able to be there, and you know, that's something I really want to experience. So for me, like yesterday would have been the ultimate. I think. Is this winning in Indianapolis for my first time? Um, but I mean, the Daytona 500 is the, the biggest race of the year. So, you know, I don't want it to sound like the 500 is not the most important, but for just me personally, you know, Indianapolis would, would mean more to me than, than winning at Daytona. 
Usually the second would you rather question is about food, but I know you have a reservation tonight at St. Elmo's, so I don't want to hold you up any longer. I just wanted to thank you for joining Stacking Pennies again, buddy. Good job this past week. I know it didn't work out in your favor, but keep on digging. You've been doing a heck of a job as of late, and I'll see you here next week. Good luck this week in that midget. Thanks, buddy. I'll need it. I went and ran a sprint car Friday night, and I was, I was rusty. So the midget deal, it's chaos anymore. There's a lot of a lot of crazy racing. You thought the cup deal was bad, no respect. You should go midget racing. I'm good. I'll let y'all have fun with it, and I'll just talk about it. <laughs> See you, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Man, I always love talking to my buddy Chase Briscoe. Um, and he's got – this is not his only shot to win this past weekend. He's got two more. we got Michigan and Daytona for the last two races of the regular season. we got a little jackpot races leading in here in Michigan. Merriman, what do you got? Group one, easy pick. Kyle Larson is your first choice. Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, Chase I don't Elliott, even think Kevin you need – I don't think you need to pick anybody else. Nobody. I mean, Kyle Larson. Two-mile Kyle. Two-mile Kyle. I mean, you literally could not beat him in a Ganassi car in California or Michigan. And now he's in arguably – I mean, HMS is probably the most dominant they've been in, in half a decade. Best equipment Larson's ever been in. No question. So, he he's going to be tough. Now, the package, we might be, be able to keep some guys close to him, but he will be tough. How to about his Knoxville Nationals win, just for a small tangent? We should open with that. Yeah. I mean, uh, and, and, I mean, it's not even like he wins all these big fair. races where it's not like a surprise. It's like, oh, Larson went and won Monaco this week. Yeah. <laughs> but, came back, came back right, to run talk, Arlington. Let's talk about it. Because I think he does win so often, it's easy to, to put aside the caliber of races and guys he's racing with. Just because he's it's running crazy. a sprint car race, it's not like those guys are amateurs, man. Those guys make hundreds of thousands of dollars driving sprint cars every year. If he doesn't win the championship in cup, is it I mean is it too early to be talking about that because I mean at this point everything he touches is turning to gold, right? I don't think anybody can sit here and say he's not the hands uh, odds on favorite to go dominate and win Phoenix. Well, at this point when when you are at Phoenix, any little hiccup can prevent you from winning a championship, right? Like you can rely on your stage points to get you through the playoffs and into the final round, but when all the chips are on the table at the, in the last race, you're, you're one lug nut or you're one bad stop and losing your heck position away from being in, you know, holding the championship trophy to run third in points. So I don't think you judge Kyle Larson's inaugural season at Hendrick if he's holding a big trophy. You, ha- you judge him from, you know, what he's been able to do for the entire year. And I do think he's going to go on and run in the playoffs. He'll win a couple more times this year. Regardless if he wins the big trophy, I think some of that, a little bit of chance, it's a combination of luck, it's a combination of a lot of things. Uh, but it is no question how dominant Kyle Larson – I think it's just confidence. Uh, obviously ability, but you pair that with the confidence he has no matter what he's driving, and it's hard to beat. Yeah, and, and you look at the situations that he's that he's been able to put himself in with you know, his team that he's kind of built with Paul Silva uh, with the sprint cars and then – Obviously, Hendrick Motorsports and then, uh, you know, what he does with Rumley's late model, all those guys are really, you know, when, when you are that caliber of a driver, you're going to get high quality rides. If not, you know, some of the best people, the best people want to work for you. So it, it doesn't make it any easier, but it makes it a lot harder on all the guys you're racing against when the best driver has the best equipment. For sure. I mean, that's the same thing with Kyle Busch and Xfinity Series. I mean, like 
you you are expected to win, but you also have to win. And you also have to get the job done. And, and we've seen Kyle Busch do that for decades in Xfinity Series and as well as the Cup Series. But now, you know, it's so impressive. And Chase was just talking about it before the segment. It's like he puts them at the top. Like there is – he is above Mario Andretti in, in, in Chase Briscoe's mind. And you can make a case right now he is the top three driver, in my opinion, of all time. That's a hot take. Larson? Yeah. I think what he needs to solidify that is that championship. Uh, like I think I, he's take I, more than one. No, I, I get that. But that, like, once he once he breaks through and gets that one, I think you're going to see multiple for Kyle Larson. It's that getting over that hump and getting to that point where he has but, he's done everything he needs to do in the like in a season to be a champion. Now he just needs to put the pieces together at the end of the season to officially be a champion. But to Corey's point, race car driver and NASCAR driver are it's like a Venn diagram, right? There's a small sliver in the middle that's the same, but like greatest NASCAR driver of all time, greatest race car driver of all time. Right. Hold it right there. Yeah. Was Mario Andretti the best NASCAR driver of all time? No. But he is probably the top of the list in terms of greatest drivers to ever sit their butt in any car worldwide. But that was also a time where he, like he was running for Ferrari. Right. And so like there's there's that was a different time in running motorsports in North America and then worldwide. Like you were Cale Yarborough did it too. Like you're running different disciplines, you're not running full seasons here and there. It wasn't like now it's you're dedicating everything to this one. You could get by and could you do all these different series. Walking into a NASCAR garage and seeing Mario Andretti, AJ Foyt, and then by the way, like Richard Petty, David Cale Yarborough. I mean, could you imagine like do you feel like Tony's one of the best that's ever done it? Yes. Yeah. So Tony, opinion. like Tony is, I agree. But like Tony did the same stuff Kyle's doing and didn't win the caliber of racers he's winning. And then you got to think that he came back from Knoxville and was clean sailing to win, you know, oh, yeah. the, the Brickyard. Off, fastest car. Off four hours of sleep too. Off, yeah. So like, like this guy is, you know, if you, obviously you got to let it play out the rest of his career. But what we can do right now is just appreciate what he's doing. Thousand well, percent. To your point on Tony, like he won championships in multiple series. Yeah. Like I mean, that's. You want to know what bothers me when you bring that up? People are like, "Wow, was it?" I don't know. Not an indie person it was like Cart and IRL were separated at that time, so it doesn't, it doesn't mean like it yeah. doesn't. He won doesn't a championship. Won a championship. Yeah. Like that. Mm-hmm. One thing it, I learned it, from Tony Stewart. The number one thing I learned from him is they used to ask him, "Well, you know, if it was the." Regular season or the the old way of doing points, you'd be winning the championship right now by this many. He'd go, but it ain't. what does it matter? We're given a set of rules to race to, to race by, and we race within those rules. It doesn't matter what ifs and buts, and and that's what he did his whole career, right? He won cart and indie, you know, indie car championships with that set of rules against that set of drivers. Why hasn't he run the Indy 500? Anyways, let's get on. Well, well to bring it back to your Michigan thing and to the point about Kyle Larson, you know, is that your guy that's going to win this race? The other person that is in that top group is Kevin Harvick. If you look at the last six races at Michigan, Kevin Harvick has won that thing four times. Have you looked at the past six races in the Cup Series in 2021? <laughs> I, I, I get that. I get that. But we talk about Kyle Larson. Yes, he won three in a row there, but the past six races have been won by Fords in okay. Michigan. Great points you brought that up, Chuck. This will be 
a very good measuring stick on where Stuart Haas is leading into the playoffs. Because if if they aren't a top five contending team, write them off the rest of the year. It's over I mean, for them. Is this is this a track that Rodney Childers and Kevin Harvick have circled, knowing that it like especially now if they're not putting their best bullet in that hauler to head out to Michigan, what mm-hmm. are they doing? No, no, they definitely are. Yeah, and they I are think there are they are doing it every week. They're they're kind of just grasping at straws, at, I believe, at this point, trying to find something that hits. Now, they've been incrementally improving, but when you win four out of the six races at, at, a, at a particular racetrack, you like you know the feel that Kevin needs, and you also know how to provide it in, in Rodney Childers. So if those guys don't have the speed and they're not a top-five contention all day long, it's, it is bad shape for, for Stuart House. Well, and I don't think too – Back to back. I don't think a two week break and then two back to back road courses bodes well for them, anyways, because any momentum that they had building up into that. Eh, I don't think that really matters. Look, give credit where credit's due. Stuart Haas won before the break, you know, at, at yeah, Loudon, and they went to, you know, this weekend and they were in contention to win again, you know, with, with the 14. He had speed the whole, all day. So they, they've, they're figuring something out. You know, it's just the, when you, when you go through this season of, you know, like when you go through this time where your stuff is off, there's no easy fix. You can't go around it. You can't go under. You can't go over. You got to march through it and take your lumps. And with no practice, no qualifying, it takes that much longer. Is this where Kevin Harvick, the closer, we, he always talks about how he loves that game seven moment where it's either you win or you go home. And Michigan is that place where he could do it or he's going home for the playoffs. Kevin Harvick's used to swinging a. You know, remember those Mark McGuire bats back in the day that were about, a, you know, six inches wide in radius? Right now he's swinging a broomstick, you know, compared to what he's been driving. Right. So he might think it's bottom of the ninth all he wants with two outs trying to hit a home run. His cars have not been what he needs, what he's been used to having for the last three or four years to get the job done. Now, he might be able to connect with that broomstick and pull some old closer magic out, but I am not hammering the four car this weekend in Michigan. All right, group two, heavy on Team Penske, literally every single Team Penske car is in this group. Blaney, Logano, William Byron, Brad Keselowski, Alex Bowman, Austin Dillon. I think you've got four cars that could possibly win group two. I'll, I'll go with the two car. Um, obviously. Yeah, but the tire change. <laughs> <But the tire, laughs> uh, that joke is just getting old. I, I'm gonna. It's pick still us, funny though. I know. I pick us, you know, every week because you don't ever bet against yourself. But I know that like Brad is one of those guys where when he gets something in his mind, that he, race you know, also means a lot to yeah, him. That's too. what I. That's what I was gonna say. Is that like that's a place where he's got a strong relationship with Ford too, but it, but more so his roots. You know, it's it is a place that the manufacturers hold in high regard. And it's somewhere that Brad has wanted to win, and it would be great to close out his uh, time at his tenure at Team Penske uh, with a with a win in Michigan. I got a Blaney tingle this week. You got a Blaney tingle? Yeah. And I I know how much uh, driving a Ford for the last two years over at GoFast. I know how much uh, work and effort and weight Ford as the OEM puts into that race because it's right in their backyard uh, over over in Detroit. So. You know they have more pre-race meetings for that event than they than they do than the 500. I mean, Edsel's there, Mark Rushbrook's there. Like you, all the drivers go to the facility and go see the Henry Ford Museum. Like Ford hammers this race, and Kevin Harvick's won four out of the last six. I don't know how many Fords won the last ten, but it's a lot. Um, so 
it's any any of those are a good group. I don't know. I mean, the forty eight was uh, he's been good at two mile tracks as well. But let's go, with Joey. All right, group three. Hang on, I'm going with a three on that oh. one. I'm taking a flyer on what? I'm going with Austin Dillon. Okay, I oh, I, wow. I, I carry because that's a best, but that's best hey. finish. That's a and that would be a hail mary right now that because would. Chuck yeah. is. Babe Ruthing it, pointing to the outfield. Right? Yeah, hey, I'm man, just it's America. Saying, you can pick who you want. The the way now, granted, it was for stage points, but watching those RCR cars, like outside of the wreck at the end, they were doing what they needed to do to get the points to get where they're going. So he's looking for to close that gap between Reddick. So I think out of that group, he could get the best finish. I'm not saying he's going to win. I'm saying he could get a good finish. I'm laughing because I'm, I meant to send you that pit stop video. Yeah. I accidentally sent it to Chase Wilhelm. Oh. I clicked the wrong C in the <laughs> drop-down menu. That's he's like, why are you sending me this uh, All right. pit stop? Group three, I think this is a no-brainer. Tyler Reddick, Eric Almarola, Christopher Bell, Kurt Busch, Ross Chastain, or Matt DiBenedetto. Why, why is this a no-brainer? Yeah. Tyler Reddick, come on. So the so the bummer for like a Tyler Reddick or like the three car that's right on the cusps there is that you have to do – no matter what, you have to do yeah, uh, to get race. to get stage points. So whether that means giving up track position for the final run, if you've got you a have car, to get you as many stage points. Yes, you're getting stage points, no doubt. Yeah, See, because they're he's 28 back. You can get tw- you can gain 20 points on somebody in two stages. So like stage points are so important that. It could it could actually hurt your track position at the end, and even if you're the fastest car, you end up finishing fourth instead of winning, and it's still a net gain on the day uh, because you're not guaranteed to win. But that's that's what scares me about them. But I like Tyler Reddick as well. I like Tyler Reddick as well. I'll sidetrack this conversation slightly. Everybody's pointing to Daytona being obviously the last regular season race, which gives essentially anybody a shot to throw a hail mary and punch their ticket within reason, right? And Let's not disregard Michigan with this particular package. This package was made for Michigan, right? With a a gripped-up two-mile track, it allows all the cars to be really close to each other. It's really important what what help you have, what line you're in on restarts. Michigan will be, you could argue, equally exciting as it will be next week at Daytona. So we have two, essentially two speedway races in the next two weeks for somebody to throw a Hail Mary and punch their ticket to the playoffs. It's not going to be like, don't, di- don't, don't write off Michigan as just a intermediate. No, no, it's a speedway race anymore. Is that it? That's it. Okay. Chuck, sorry, I'm sorry, sorry, huh? sorry to drop you're not that. making a pick. Well, no, I'll make a pick there. He's going to go I'm, Kurt Bush because we does everything. Uh, yep, never mind. <laughs> Say no more. Take the one. <laughs> no, I honestly, though, out of that group, I'm still leaning towards the RCR thing and, and, and Reddick there. Um, I wish you'd have picked Kirk so we could transition into the 23XI rumors. But I can oh boy. take Kirk. Yeah. That one car, like that monster machine, might be a monster in Michigan. I like that. Hey. Is that a headline? <laughs> That's a headline. Is that a potential headline? Yeah. Talking about other potential headlines, we hear a little rumor swirl in the garage this weekend. Merriman, did you hear about possibly 23XI and Michael Jordan, Denny Hamlin buying Front row motorsports? I might have, but then I also may have forgotten it when I was electrocuted. <laughs> <laughs> and your short-term memory for the last 16 so hours is gone? first I'm hearing of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was what was swirling this weekend. I'm not sure what charter shell game's going on, but we all know that Kurt and Denny are having talks, and I'm sure that Kurt's deal is contingent on that thing having a second charter, and it seems like front row might be a willing seller. Who knows? Stand by for the next couple of weeks to uh, – you know, see what kind of other silly season rumors come out. 
Any other spare change for this week? Uh, you had the I, junior motorsports announcement. Saw Josh this morning Barry. Josh Berry got signed for a full-time deal. That's That makes it feel good because that is old school, sign somebody up because they paid their dues, won a bunch of late models, and you're developing talent, right? So right. Josh Berry's a good old boy. You know, he's and that's also a little bit, uh, you know, per the, the late 90s, early 2000s wave of like he's 32, 33 years old. 30. He's 30. He's getting his first legitimate NASCAR shot. What some would consider over the hill, because now you have Harrison Burton. These guys coming in at twenty years old. It's cool to see somebody like Josh Berry, who's won every race there is to in late mile stocks, really take advantage of that that twelve race stint over at Junior Motorsports, and they give him a full time ride for twenty two. So kudos to Junior Motorsports sales team to go sell them races and put Josh Berry in all year long. He won Martinsville, and I got hammered on Twitter about picking only two tracks to go to last week. And I said that we should go back to Martinsville. And one thing Merriman did not forget to do after he electrocuted is roast me on Twitter. (laughs) That was before (laughs) I, I was just simply admitting I was wrong. You I think that the, I think Martinsville should have two dates. You want to know, I didn't say anything about Bristol. So I'm from around that area. Rustburg, Virginia. So like for me, like, Martinsville two race weekends. If they don't have two separate race weekends, that's awful for that area. So, plus the racing is damn good. I used to think that about Charlotte and like to yeah, me, Charlotte's got like banks and you know what Martinsville's got nothing. Martinsville. The Dutch Inn, dude. <laughs> they got the Duh. Dutch Inn and what's the place that everybody bowling Clarence's place? Steakhouse. Yeah, they got no, that bowling I, joint. Yeah, I was just saying that like Charlotte, the track having. The spring race, the fall race, plus the all star race. So it's like that's what Charlotte needs. And then now I have changed my tune. No, on that. they got everything. They got drag yeah. strip. They got, they got stuff. Got yeah, breweries. Breweries. Yeah. I mean, Charlotte's probably Dog making more poop money. Dog on the sidewalk. <laughs> Charlotte <laughs> has it all. No, no. According to the uh, Chamber of Commerce, Charlotte's got a lot. Hmm. So I, the the racetrack probably makes more off Christmas lights than they do off the races anymore. You're probably yeah. right. Now, spare change I got for you. I think RJ might have been listening to this podcast again because your odds um, in the jackpot app. So RJ's are, uh, clarified. He doesn't set the odds. Okay. I believe they come from Barstool. Okay. Well, it's seventy plus seventy five thousand oh to win in Michigan. I'll put a dollar on that <laughs> for sure. <laughs> you're, you're in. You're in group five, so you're yeah. in the fifth group. But that's. I mean, like like to my point, I just said about speedway racing. You know, we can hit on setup and get lucky on a on a. You know, a couple lanes moving on a restart, and you know, I think we can. You can go and you can hit a restart and be eighth, and you can have a bad restart and be twenty eighth. I think that's how close it's going to be this weekend. You know, and and if you see some guys making desperate moves, trying to get in position to make their way into the playoffs, you could see a couple, couple big ones, even in Michigan this weekend. So you know, it'll be exciting for sure. We'll have two good bullets going here the next two weeks. I'm excited for Spire Motorsports team. I think that's all I got. Yeah. Stacking pennies. We're flying pennies this weekend. Glad that's over. Just some good old boys, man. Headed up to where? Where's even? What's the city that never mean to know? Brooklyn, Irish Hills of Michigan. Yep. Oh, the Beastie by. Boys are from there. Man, I wish I had a stronger <laughs> clothes. You have to go, go back and shop that. Just get you some ice cream, and you'll be fine. Oh, I do like ice cream. Yeah, we're headed to the old Irish Hills of Michigan this weekend. So make sure everybody tunes in this Sunday. Two more races in the regular season. Let's go.